0: You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for creatives and new bloggers hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist and blogger in the world. In this episode, I chat to Monica Stott, aka The Travel Hack, about how she grew her business from a small hobby blog while she was traveling to one of the UK's top travel websites with a team of seven. She shares her growth game changers, which, let me tell you, are amazing game changers, and some seriously brilliant tips for working with brands. If you're the sort of person that wants to know how to make money blogging or how to get more professional, how to get on your first press trip, this one is for you. Um, A little FYI, my my little girl was not napping while we did our interview so you can hear her gurgling throughout some of the chat I'm really really sorry and a lot towards the end I hope it's not too distracting um and she also does a massive sneeze at one point which means that you can't hear me or Monica but it's like a split second so I'm really sorry so on with the chat Welcome, Um, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of the podcast. I'm sure everybody will know who you are, but if they don't, do you wanna just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about your journey to where you are today?
1: Yeah, okay, so um, I started blogging in 2009. Um, uh, It was when I went traveling. So originally I wanted to be a journalist. So before I went traveling, I was working for my local newspaper and they had um, a section on their website which was for local bloggers. So they had like a local mum and a local teacher, and there was a local counsellor. And they asked me to write a blog. So I was kind of like the local girl that went traveling.
0: Oh, that's amazing!
1: Yeah, it was really cool because if they hadn't asked me to do this, I never would have started a blog. I didn't even know what a blog was. Um, and it actually sounds more amazing than it was. I think it got about three readers a week. <laughs> yeah, knew it was there. Um, But it, it kind of made me feel quite special to be able to say I write for my local newspaper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of spurred me on and it motivated me a bit more um, to do things properly, really. Um so, yeah, so I started this blog. I was traveling through Asia and Australia. At the time, it was called Me and My Backpack, um, which is a name I actually really like, but I was never really sure grammatically if that was uh,
0: correct.
1: Yeah. My Backpack and I, which doesn't sound very good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not as funny.
1: Yeah, I always felt a bit uneasy with that name. Um, and it was then when I came home in 2011 that I changed it to The Travel Hack, uh-huh. Um, So originally the travel hack, the name, as I wanted to be a journalist, I was studying journalism then, Um, hack was more about uh, like a journalist.
0: Of course, yeah, of course it Uh, was.
1: It wasn't really anything to do with travel hacks or travel hacking.
0: How interesting.
1: That wasn't really a thing at the time.
0: Um, You kind of predicted it almost and then owned it. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, Yeah. why not?
1: So then I came home, I moved to London, studied journalism, um, and then I started working for a travel startup. Um, It was a travel website, kind of travel community, and I was the editorial assistant there. Um, And this was around the time that social media was getting really big, um, and I took over the social channels for the website, um, and I loved it, absolutely loved it, um, but I really only did it because no one else wanted to do it. Um, And then then things went from there. So then I became the community manager for this website. And then I moved over to Flight Center, which is a travel agent, and I was the UK social media manager there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went freelancing social media. But this whole time as well, I was working on my blog uh, and doing everything I could really to promote my blog. Um, And everything kind of tied in together. Like, the better my blog did, the better my career did. And the better my career did, it helped the blog. Um, and all the networking events I went to were very connected. So the, the people I was meeting at these events helped my work, but also helped my blog. So everything
0: grew together. And um, I think yeah, there's a couple of really interesting points in there actually, because um, so I would say networking um, is one of the best ways to get yourself started when you're a new blogger. Um, and I know you, when you moved to London, you didn't really know that many people did you and
1: I didn't know anyone I didn't know any people and I didn't have any money yeah <laughs> I think about it, ah, that's so sad, <laughs> I so sad myself. but I went to loads of networking events because it was a free a free night out really a free way to get drunk mm. a free way to get yeah. a meal and the chance to meet loads of really nice and interesting people so was that um travel massive and yeah yeah, yeah travel massive and more like tourism events
0: yeah and, you know pr events and that kind of thing i think um a good thing to note actually if you are a new blogger how you end up on the once you end up on a pr list and often it comes from maybe going to a travel massive event or a traverse event or whatever um, and definitely going to things like wtm world travel market you'll end up on a list and you'll be invited <laughs> to so many events
1: yeah um,
0: once you've yeah. been to like,
1: four events that's it then yeah to everything yeah 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 <laughs> so, yeah you really need to, but it's just getting that first one or exactly, two yeah once you're on a list yeah they they just keep rolling in but yeah getting on the list in the first place can be a bit more difficult
0: um and the other thing you mentioned that I wanted to ask you about was social media so obviously you were a social media manager and um doing that for other people for um you know yeah. almost properly I would say yes for- yeah, so then, yeah
1: <laughs> I did it for brands and then I did it for freelance clients so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know a lot of bloggers do freelance social media work mm. and come at it really from the experience they've got solely through blogging yeah I think doing it for a brand is so different yes yeah. so so different to how a blogger does it and um, so it's quite nice to come at it from both sides
0: really and do, would you say that that was a real kind of growth game changer for your blog as well when you started working in social media and learning things that almost the proper way I, I would um, say yes
1: to be honest I, I know a lot of the theory but don't really apply it to my own blog <laughs> <laughs> I think is the case for a lot of
0: things yeah
1: uh, I'm at the same. The time, yeah at the time I thought, I didn't really think my career was helping my blog as much as it did. Yeah. I think my career helped blog more in terms of things like SEO um, and technical things. But in terms of social media, um, yeah, in some ways it helps. But it's more about the reporting, I think. That's the main... Interesting. Because I think a lot of bloggers don't really look at analytics that much or... Don't do, like, competitor analysis. Don't look at what other people are doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Whereas well, when you for a brand, that's what, what you spend half a cool. day doing.
0: Yeah. And, and um, in the post-analysis as well, not just the analysis to kind of inform what you're going to do next. What would you say are uh, the biggest tips that you've taken f- um, from your time as a social media manager that you apply to your blogging um, and your business?
1: it's something that I actually genuinely try to do is so every month I had to do a competitor analysis report for my boss and uh-huh. um, and I had to say like so I did I work for flight center so I'd have to look at companies like Expedia or someone and say well they grew their book by 100,000 followers this month and then my boss would turn around and say well what did they do how did they do that why haven't you done that for us how are you going to do that for and um, which is a bit scary yeah that is scary but brilliant yeah I mean it really taught me to do that and I don't really like thinking of other bloggers as competitors because it's not competitive and it doesn't need to be competitive it's better to work together than be competitive but I mean you can take the theory though and look at competitors or people who are doing the same kind of thing with the same kind of audience and look what they're doing each month and see how they're growing each month and try and do things a little bit better.
0: And how would you identify a competitor? And I'm using, I'll probably say in inverted commas because you're, you're right, you're, if you've nailed down your own oh. niche or whatever, then it's not a competitor in the same way as it would be a brand competitor, but yeah. uh, someone else in your field... That you admire, I guess, that you yeah. want to look to. How how do you nail down those people? I... Not literally. That sounds really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you nail them down and get rid of them so that you yeah. win? <laughs>
1: yeah. um, I think, well, I sort of think of two types of again. Let's. I uh, feel like calling them competitors is the wrong word. It is. Just... Yeah. Um, and there's the people who I would say are the same as me, who have um, a similar audience, similar size audience, and are blogging for the same kind of people. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily always travel bloggers. I don't think it's more bloggers who are blogging for my kind of people. Yeah. Um. So I consider those to be competitors. But then there's the other competitor who is the kind of blogger that I'm aspiring to be like. Who I would use more like inspiration, I suppose. Oh, and look to what they doing and think oh that's amazing I want to do that
0: because we all do that we all do that subconsciously anyway don't we so it's why kind of not? do it strategically yeah oh that's a great tip and yeah, what fun. what it's sort fun. of things would you use to do that what sort yeah. of analytics would you use I, I, I guess some new some bloggers out there will know I know I use or I used to use Iconosquare which has a really really good competitor yeah. analysis um,
1: yeah, yeah. well work. I'm quite old school and I will just, so I just have a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I don't do this formally every month but it's something that I would recommend to do and I try and do. Um, just have a spreadsheet with like, I don't know, say 10 to 15 of your competitors and have things like Twitter followers, Facebook followers. Um, Instagram followers number of blog posts each month and just fill it in each month and just see how much they're growing
0: oh wow that's really interesting this has really inspired me actually I don't do anything like this I'm very lazy (laughs) it's
1: one of those things each month it feels like it's going to be a chore and then you start doing it and think oh actually this is really interesting it's just needs to be able to catch up on what they're doing and sometimes you'll spot something and you'll see like they've gained like 10,000 new followers in a month and you look at what they've done and you see that they've done a competition or something or they've done something in a certain way or they've really upped their game at something and you think wow fair play you know they've done something really good here and it's just good to be aware of that yeah I think it's good to keep yourself accountable as well well yeah yeah that's true Mm. but one thing I think I'm really scared of in blogging is falling behind Mm, yeah me too being better and I think when you haven't got a boss to report to it could happen it could happen so easily if you sort of take your eyes off the off the ball for a while, things change so quickly. Yeah. So I think it's a good way of keeping up to date with everything, knowing what everyone's doing and making sure that you're doing it too or doing it first.
0: So you've you've got a brilliant course, which we've talked about in quite a few of the episodes of what she said. So anybody listening out there, if you, if you listen to the first one with Jen Lothrop, um, she's done the course and she had some great things to say about it. And, um, how did your course come about I I kind of imagine in my head that you just get stacks and stacks of emails from people asking you advice yeah
1: that's kind of how it started so through getting lots of emails and then I started writing blog posts about it Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be one of those bloggers that blogs about blogging yeah um and it's quite tempting to do because when you whenever I blog about blogging it gets loads of traffic I know yeah share it and everything um so, so then I thought, well, I'll make like um, a series of posts about it, maybe an email series or something. Um, and then as I started writing it, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just turned into a beast. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is huge. Mm. Um, but I also realized that it, it was really valuable. And there was a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, and it took me nearly a year to write it. Oh, um, wow yeah I did have a baby in that time oh, so. yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: so,
1: so yeah, it took a really long time, and yeah, it was like so much work. it turned into something much bigger than I thought. Yeah. but I thought because
0: I've got so much hair i I just it just seemed right to turn it into an e-course. and how is that i mean i've I've heard a lot of amazing things about it so far how How have you found the response?
1: amazing absolutely amazing better than I thought it would Mm -hmm. be it's just so nice to know that like I'm genuinely helping people yeah there's a few people who've done the course and after they finished it they've like quit their jobs and gone full-time as bloggers which is terrifying that, that people are doing that based on my advice but it's really cool and I think just helping people to do what they want to do is so much more rewarding than I thought it would be yeah uh, yeah it's so much fun it's so nice as well and it's so nice to hear from people who will say things like oh well I took that tip and I've done this and oh I've you know doubled my income and things like that because I wanted to write it for so many amazing bloggers out there doing really amazing things but just don't really know how to make any money from it.
0: Yeah and actually I would say that you are one of the kind of Experts on that. You you speak about making money as a blogger at a lot of conferences. I've seen you speak a few times, and um, and you're brilliant. So, but you but you're one of the only people out there who, who, who will... actually talks about it and and says this is how I make money. This is how I have made money. This is how you could make money, and yeah. that's really interesting. What I think quite a lot of people as well. I know that when bloggers ask me newer bloggers ask me well how they they literally just want to know do you make 50 pounds a month or do you make a thousand like can I do this yeah. they just want a ballpark a, yeah. a kind of starting block and I think a lot of um the bloggers that record their incomes
1: you get two sides of it you get ones mm. who actually make like 100 pounds a month and then ones who are making like 200,000 pounds a month yeah
0: like melissa griffin who's making <laughs> yeah. millions
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. and when she blogs there uh, making sense of sense and she makes like crazy money and it's it's amazing to read it and it is something to aspire to but like if you're just starting out like it's not really very realistic and yeah. i think to to get a realistic guide to what you can earn and how much you can charge and what you should do and Uh, and yeah I agree not many people talk about it and I'm not sure if it's because they're not really earning much money and don't want to say that or they're earning a lot of money and don't want to share their secrets
0: I I think it's probably a bit of both Um, yeah I would probably say it's a bit of both because yeah the the less people talk about it the more people um, think there's some big mystery out there that you should be earning this much, or that person's probably earning this much. And and you're right, the people who do talk about it and in publish income reports, the majority of them um, are earning millions. Yeah. So so you kind of think, oh, God, I'm not earning that much. I'm definitely not going to tell people that I earn less than that. Um, yeah. What would you say is the biggest game changer in terms of making money? Because one of the things that I've found is a bit of a misconception is uh, passive income, um, the types of passive income you can earn. I think people think that to make money as a blogger, regardless of how you make it, you need loads of traffic. And d- like that. I would say that's a misconception.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I You don't need loads of traffic at all. Um, but yeah, I agree. You, do, you don't need loads and loads of traffic. It just needs to be targeted traffic which is why I know that you don't really agree with this, but <laughs> for me, having a niche is really... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm no, sorry no,
0: to... Break- no, 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 Do you know, I actually, sorry to interrupt, but in terms of having a niche, yes, I, I am quite outspoken on the fact that I don't believe you need a niche, but I would say that the way you talk about niche is I, I agree with because... Yeah,
1: but I don't think niche has to be like budget travel. Exactly,
0: or- yeah it doesn't that isn't always your niche I think sometimes your niche is who your audience are yeah well I completely agree I think that's mostly that's sort of where I I think I don't believe in in using the terminology of niche in the way that so many travel courses out there use it because then people come away and think oh travel that's a niche and it's not
1: yeah no not at all whereas I think so for you for example I'm guessing that it's your audience it's the type of yeah. probably a woman that you are blogging for and you know they might like travel but they might be new mums they yeah. might like they might be freelancers it's a, t- a certain type of person who yeah. has more than one interest just like you have more than one interest so That's I think sometimes thinking of yeah your niche as your audience yeah. is valuable
0: yeah I agree and yeah thinking about your kind of dream person your dream yeah. reader really yeah yeah but
1: back to the whole thing about sort of uh, you know um, like passive income mm. if you're blogging for a certain type of person and you mention a product that that person is going to like you know it doesn't matter if a million people read it or if 200 people read it well no actually that doesn't make sense because if a million people read it you'd be doing really well <laughs>
0: but, I, mean, I, I know, you know what you mean though
1: really targeted people reading it is more valuable than having millions of people reading it with the majority of them not being interested yeah
0: Totally, and I think actually people forget that having an email list um is actually way can be incredibly valuable,
1: yeah, definitely, yeah, I think it's all about the email list because uh, people choose to subscribe to that and they choose to open it, yeah, so maybe not as many people are reading it as might read your blog, but the people who do read it love it yes, are so engaged in it. So, yeah, they're like a, a really valuable load of people.
0: How do you because you, you've got a newsletter, haven't you? Have you you haven't had it for a really long time though? Well, Is I, it a couple I, of years, yeah, yeah. I didn't start
1: it from the beginning oh. and I didn't realize how important it was for such a long time because I saw so many people saying, Oh, it's so valuable, it's so valuable. Um, and I it's hard to tell because you send it out and people read it and that's it, yeah. About two years ago, I started trying to make a conversation out of it. So I would always put in the newsletter, like, "Oh, email me back if you've got anything to say, or you know, just please email back and say something." (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now, now that I try and encourage conversations through it, I get a lot of people reply to the email. and that feels, it feels more like a conversation. It's more of a one-on-one as well. And I think people really like it as well if they email me back and then I, I reply to them and we have a bit of a chat and it's really time consuming. Yeah, I can imagine. But it's really nice and I think that's what blogs are about. It's about talking to people. Yeah. And a, a newsletter doesn't have to be you just talking at people. It can be a way to start a conversation.
0: Um. Are there, because I listened to the podcast that you did with Kat Molesworth for Blogtacular, and you mentioned briefly um, uh, brand sponsoring your newsletter. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that at all. Um, And I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, I think more and more brands want to do this as well, where it would be more of a natural thing. I mean, sometimes they do ask to sort of take over the whole newsletter and the whole newsletter be dedicated to a brand. Um, But I've never done that because I've never worked with a brand that closely where I feel like that kind of takeover would work. Yeah. To be such an amazingly perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I haven't had that yet, but it'll be more like, um, say, if you put a product of the month in the newsletter, that kind of thing.
0: I see. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, which actually can lead to more click-throughs than would if you mentioned it on a blog post. Yeah, I can completely imagine that. Yeah. Because, like you say, your newsletter tend to be the – well, if they're opening the newsletter – Because open rates are obviously the thing that you want, the stat that you want to be tracking for your newsletter. If they're opening it, then they're already, like, I don't know, 10 times more engaged than they are if they're just on your blog reading. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. They're not just skimming through it. They've Mm. chosen to open it. Um, And when
1: you talk about open rates as well, that's another thing. It's so much more important to have maybe fewer subscribers but a higher open rate especially once you get to the number of subscribers where you have to start paying quite a lot of money to because if only if not many of them are opening it and you're paying for this huge list it's just such a waste of your money so I quite often send out an email like oh you haven't opened an email for a while do you still want to be subscribed um so yeah it's just a nice way to either get rid of people who aren't interested and you don't you don't have to pay for them then or to sort of give people a little kick up the bum and say hi I'm here
0: yeah I do the same thing um and I have a much smaller list than you but I I find that that really helps because I'm at the stage now just at the stage where I um I pay for my subscribers and when I see the people that haven't opened it I'm like no I'm not paying for you yeah go go away um Another thing that I do with my newsletter, and I wondered if you did it too, is um, when someone's newly subscribed, that's kind of when they're at their most engaged, that's when they've discovered you and they've probably gone to all your social and they want to know everything about you. Mm -hmm. Do you have a tailored um, kind of email that goes out to those people, like the new people, they're in for a week? um, Yeah, do you know what, I actually
1: don't, but I really should, because I know exactly what you mean um you know sometimes you get them when you subscribe and they'll send you one saying um, here's the most popular post check these out yeah if you want to know about me check out this page if you want to know about my latest trip check out this
0: yeah that's such a good idea that's what to- I do and I found that it um I've the open rate for that is like 90 percent it's incredible and it's just a here's my story here's more about me yeah I'm Lucy I'm etc etc cetera, et cetera. and I think it maybe even was Melissa Griffin um, who has a kind of really complex hardcore funnel (laughs) that you push people through, you know, with you send them this email and then another one and another one, you know, here's like, you know, over a a kind of a month, you have a series of emails that lead to kind of getting them on, a course. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I found it brilliant. It's actually really satisfying as well uh, because sometimes people reply to the email and, like, oh, I didn't realise that about you or whatever. and Yeah, oh, that's nice. Maybe I need to do that. And it's really easy, actually, for people listening, if you use MailChimp, it's really, really easy to kind of cut your subscribers um, into various different demographics. I think, I think there's, like, a paid version and a non-paid version, but in the yeah. basic free version, I think even you can just say, like, people who've subscribed in the past five days, seven days, whatever, and also people who... Open a lot, people who don't open, so you can do all those sorts of things to keep your newsletter um, nice and clean, Keep your list nice and clean.
1: Yeah, I love Mailchimp. Yeah, it's, I do.
0: And it's just so easy it's and really easy. What has been the biggest uh, growth game changer for your blog?
1: I think that so this is a really weird one and something that you wouldn't expect at all but it was when I had my first son George um obviously I was really busy with him so I kind of um I didn't take on as much work um and I only took on the jobs that I really really wanted to do mm-hmm. and that changed everything because before that I basically said yes to everything, anything and everything. I squeezed in as much as I possibly could. And if there was a little gap in my diary, anything could be squeezed in there. (laughs) And obviously things changed when I got a bit busier. Mm -hmm. I was really selective about what I worked on. Um, I upped my fees a lot because I could. And that was just such a game changer.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. And that's a really, really good lesson, especially for newer bloggers who maybe have just been offered like we were talking about once you're on a list you're on a list and if you go on one press trip some sometimes you can be asked on absolutely stacks if you say yes to every single one
1: you get invited on more and more and more
0: yeah do you think it was such a gross game changer because you didn't have sponsored or sponsored content or press trip content wasn't like the soul your soul content Yeah, I think it was a mixture of everything. It was that there wasn't as much
1: sponsor content and press trips, and particularly, I don't really like press trips to be honest. So no, I don't. Yeah, there was less of that, but it was more in terms of being able to make money. I think, um, and being much more selective about Mm -hmm. things, and just working on the things that were one hundred percent a really good fit for the blog. Um yeah that was that definitely changed things and and not being afraid to say no to things because nine times out of ten say if someone emails you and says you want to do this this is the budget we've got for it and nine times out of ten if you say no um my fee is higher than that they always manage to find a bit more yes (laughs) um being able to say no to things makes it easier because before I was just too scared to say no to anything because you don't know when that opportunity is going to come again. Yeah. So I was just saying yes to everything. But I think as soon as you start saying no, obviously people will up their budgets, but also it makes you seem like you're much more in demand. Yeah, that's
0: very, because, very true, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it? When yeah. you know that
0: everyone else wants a bit of that blogger, you want it as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That's yeah. very, very true. Um, I think not being afraid to say no... I think is really important. And obviously I can understand if you feel if you, you know you have got bills to pay and you need to take this the you need you, you feel like you need to take it to pay the bills, but actually if you say no to one press trip, you will be invited on another and like you say more often than not they'll just pay what you need anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think as well bloggers who also have full-time jobs I worry so much about missing out on things and mm. saying too much, but actually, it's probably the best thing ever because if you say, Look, I can only do one thing a month, you're going to get really in demand. People are going to be like, Right, we need to book her up, we need to get her in, we need to pay her a higher fee because everyone else wants her." you know. So it's not always a bad thing. Don't worry about being
0: a people pleaser because yeah, that's a really good lesson. Yeah, that's a really good lesson because, yeah, I know that. I, I've definitely suffered from that as well. I think a lot of people do at the beginning when you just, yeah. and it's really exciting as well. Um, yeah. going back to press trips and you saying you don't do them, I don't do them either. Um, and obviously you're from a journalist background. Yeah. I've gone the other way, gone blogger to journalist, but press trips as a journalist, I will do because they're so different to doing a press trip as a blogger. Um, I know you're not part of any collectives or anything, are you? Not really. Well, I'm sort of part of one called the travel mob, uh-huh. which
1: isn't really as formal as others, but that's an amazing one because the guy who started it, Duncan Rhodes, who runs an um, urban travel blog, I think it's called, uh-huh. um, he hates press trips, like, probably hates them and thought <laughs> there was so what we tend to do now is we work with tourism boards and we all go out at the same time but we all do our own thing
0: oh uh, that's perfect
1: yeah and we organize our own itineraries and so we'll all go out together but everyone will stay in a different hotel according to the, the what their audience like everyone will do different activities and go off and do different things and then we'll all come together in the evening and you know have a bit of a debrief and have fun and have dinner together
0: that's kind of the perfect press trip
1: actually isn't it yeah it's amazing that's that's exactly how it should work yeah um obviously it doesn't always work like that because quite often tourism boards have partners and they have specific things they want you to push but we've done a few trips where the tourism boards um have really tried to push certain activities and it just doesn't work
0: Yeah.
1: because you know if it's not something that you'd normally blog about if you do get forced to blog about it it's just not very fun it's not very natural and you could spend your time doing something so much better but you'd think in a way it'd be easier for them just say destination here's a list of activities you could potentially do tell us what you're interested in and we'll just do it because I think they think that you need to have your hand held but actually it's when when you get lost or when you you know when you do something wrong that's, that's what makes the best stories really
0: yeah I agree um, I think you you do press trips in the same way, or work with brands in a similar way that I like to. In that you will organise things yourself. So I pay. I tend to pay for my flights. Um, yeah, and, and get things covered yeah. in the destination. Yeah, I tend to do that too. Um, it's just easier, yeah. especially. I mean, you've got two children, and I presume you often will travel with your with your husband as well as your two children. And um, yeah, it's just easier. Yeah. Um, Especially flying with
1: kids. Yeah. Because if you work with an airline and you have to blog about the flight, so yeah, you've already got your hands full with yeah. two children. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got to blog about it as
0: well and it's just a nightmare. So yeah, I'd rather pay.
1: <laughs> just Enjoy the flight.
0: Yeah, definitely. And actually, um, that leads us to motherhood. So you've got two children now and you work full time and yeah. you're kind of my hero. How How do you do it? But also, how has your travel style changed?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's, um, how oh, I don't really know. So it's just this month that my youngest started at nursery. Um, and for the first month, they're both in nursery four full days. And that's because I've just had a really, really busy month. And next month's really busy as well. Um, but obviously four full days at nursery, the two little ones, it, it costs mm-hmm. so much. Um, but also I don't really like it. So Joseph, who's eight months, he's just started crawling and things. And I'm not there every day to see that. So I don't really like that. So it was actually just this morning that I've um, sort of downgraded them at nursery. And they're just going to go for two days. Uh-huh. Um because I just think this little age that they're at now is so important and I don't want to miss it and they're going to be in school soon. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, they come first and I love my job more than, well, not more than anything, not more than them. (laughs) And I feel so lucky that I can do this and get into travel and just do what I love every day is amazing. But I, I'm gonna sort of try and just focus on them while they're so little mm-hmm. and then when they go back when they start at school That's when I'll really really focus on the blog But It's nice as well being able to be flexible like this. So June and July are really busy August and September I'm gonna keep quite quiet and then October November might get busy again.
0: Yeah
1: Um. So it's nice to be able to Yeah, spend a lot of time with them and then change and spend a lot of time working um, but yeah, I, I I don't really know wh- how I manage. I just a lot in the evenings. Uh, my family are amazing. Uh, my partner's absolutely amazing. He he's very um, I, saying that he's supportive sounds wrong because of course he's supportive of my career, but he's very much like, come on, you're a travel blogger. If you don't travel, you're not a travel blogger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, which is brilliant, and it, it makes me feel like I don't, I don't feel guilty about going away and leaving him with the kids. That's good. Yeah, that's really good.
0: But, yeah. So um, was that was that a fear when? Because that's certainly a fear of mine. I mean, I know I'm not a travel blogger in the same way that you are at all, but but I am a travel blogger. So yeah. uh, but I and I do worry sometimes that you know the last bit of travel content I did was in January which is a long time ago yeah well that's the reason for
1: me why I took on like the travel hack team yes to fill the gaps when I wasn't going away and so that I didn't feel the pressure to go away when I didn't want to um and also so that um it didn't turn into um like more like a personal lifestyle blog yeah um which is great I love those kind of blogs but the travel hack is and always will be a travel blog and if someone's not traveling it's not that yeah so yeah so that's why i took on the team who are absolutely amazing and you've recently
0: won an award haven't
1: you yeah last week we won the cheap flights award for the uk's favorite travel blog
0: that's amazing congratulations thank you yeah that was a lovely one so how many there's quite a few of you now isn't there yeah so there's seven of us now oh seven cool And I think I know everybody, but if anybody doesn't know who they are, would you mind going through and introducing them? We have Elle Croft, um, who also
1: has her travel blog, A Bird in the Hand, Um, and Elle has just had her first novel published.
0: Yeah, so exciting. The Guilty Wife, I'll link to it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so she's amazing. And then we have Elizabeth Sellers, who runs the blog, Rosa Lilium. Um she's sort of lifestyle and travel-y and she's amazing too. And then we have Sha who runs Taylor Hart's Travels. And she is pregnant with her second baby. Yeah. And then we have Amy, who she's in I think she's in Canada at the minute, or maybe the States. <laughs> she's
0: she's a jet setter. <laughs> yeah.
1: And she has a blog called Bambi Jane Travels. And then we have Stefan Leah who are the newest members to the team. Um, and they are absolutely amazing. And Steph is more of a writer and Leah is a professional photographer. Oh, wow. So together really nicely. And they've just done a big trip around Australia together. Um, so yeah, they're really cool as well. So it's really nice, actually. We've just started sort of arranging more meetups and mm-hmm chances for us all to get together because we have so much fun when we're together
0: (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like the ultimate girl gang I want to be part of that girl gang (laughs) yeah
1: we we want to show this more we want to show how much fun we have together um so yeah we're going to be doing more group trips together
0: oh that's cool yeah yeah so yeah that should be fun how have you found the transition having going from I mean you've had people writing for the travel hack for quite a long time now but um, the transition from your voice to lots of voices—it's
1: sometimes I found it quite hard, especially in the early days when I was getting feedback from regular readers who were saying, "You know what? Well, we just prefer your posts. We just want to read about you." Mm-hmm. But looking at the bigger picture, having more content is better overall. It attracts more readers, Um, we can cover more categories. And a lot of people now are saying that they love the fact that we have so much content from so many different areas. Um, and it's nice for me as well. Like I think people underestimate how hard it is to run a blog by yourself. Yeah. And even though it, you know, it's obviously still like my business, and I'm very much like I run everything. But it's nice to have a team to say, oh, you know, what do you think of this? Do you think we should do this? Do you think we should do that? Have you got any ideas on this? It's just so nice to have that, yeah. and to feel more like I have colleagues that are just as interested in the blog as I am.
0: Yeah, I th- it can be, when people talk about wanting to be a full-time, tra- a full-time blogger, um, mm-hmm. it is quite lonely. Yeah, yeah it's really the, lonely. Yeah, the amount that you have to do yourself with no input is pretty scary.
1: Yeah, sometimes you just want to bounce around some ideas and sometimes yeah. you just want someone just to say, yeah, that's a good idea, do that. Yeah just keep you on track well for me I have just had so many ideas and so many things I want to do sometimes I just need someone to pull me back and say just focus on one thing at a time yeah
0: well that's another thing actually with working for yourself is that you don't have anybody there holding you accountable for that one task that you need to do and you can yeah. just veer off on a tangent I suppose because we're all naturally we're creatives yeah. it can sometimes be <laughs> hard to like sit us down and say stop it <laughs> you yeah, need to it? calm down <laughs> I have to write myself a to-do list every mm. day because if I haven't got a list like god I could
1: end up doing anything yes
0: <laughs> anything. like the most random things ever yeah I'm the same and actually since having an IS I haven't been officially working so I've been like oh I'm not going to use my to-do list but that has meant that I've been just veering off doing the most nutty things for hours at a time.
1: I think it's nice though, like for you and your situation now on maternity leave, like you can do that and that's really lovely. And I do think it's important to do that sometimes as well. Um, but then other times when you've got clients. That yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to stick to the to-do list.
0: In terms of when you've taken on work with a brand yeah. or with, in any kind of way, because that I know that's what most of the people listening to this will probably want to know. So they've they've had their first kind of bit of paid work, be it a sponsored post or um, a press trip or whatever. There's two things that I know that you've said that I've really taken on board that are such brilliant, brilliant pieces of advice. And one of them is under promise and over deliver. So Mm -hmm. don't be that person that's like, I'm going to do 10 posts for you and 25 Instagrams and et cetera, et cetera. Under promise and then do that little bit more. Yeah. And then also the follow-up of how you present the analysis to them afterwards. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that and your tips for
1: smashing it, basically?
0: As well, that I think has come from, like, my old jobs Mm About the
1: reporting on things that you've done, because sometimes the report is more important than it's the most important thing because okay. if you can prove that what you did was valuable, that brand will want to work with you again but also if you write a report, you can then use that to present to other brands and say, done this in the past the, the results and you can you can make them want to work with you as well. So, yeah, so I always do reports when I work on paid campaigns anyway. And sometimes it can be really basic. It can just be, like, how many page views it got, uh, things like Twitter impressions and Facebook, uh, and, you know, how many likes it got on Instagram. And I think the most important thing is screenshotting the comments that you're getting. So um, things like, say, if you went on holiday somewhere and someone messaged you and said, you know what, I'd never thought of going there, or... Uh, this has inspired me to book it or thanks for this review I'm I've
0: just booked it I'm going there comments like that are absolute gold dust yeah because that just proves your worth immediately doesn't it really
1: And I think everyone wants to be an influencer, so you have to prove that you are influencing. Yeah, I think as well though because it's so new to brands as well. Brands don't know what they can ask for.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, quite often I get a brand saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going to be really cheeky now, and feel free to say no." But, oh, can you send me a shot of your Google Analytics? Yeah, (laughs) and I'm like, "That's not cheeky. (laughs) That's what you're paying me for." Yeah, so so yeah. I I think yeah I think a lot of brands just don't realize that we can do this and things like trackable links as well. Yeah. Brands often don't give me a trackable link so they can't really see how many people are clicking the links that I'm putting out there whereas if they give me a trackable link and I can prove that I'm sending say 500 visitors to their website and then they can go back to their boss and say you know we worked with this blogger she sent 500 people to us and out of those people 50 of them bought something you know it's just good to be able to say even if the numbers aren't enormous yeah it's just good to be able to prove that you are doing something and you are making a difference to their business it's about brand awareness and things as well and obviously a lot of what bloggers do can't be tracked and you know you might mention a brand and then three years later someone might be like oh yeah I remember reading about that oh yeah I'll have a look at that and then they might end up booking something massive yeah that's true you just don't know. So I but I think yeah, when it comes to things like that, as long as you're just creating things that you're really proud of and you know has the potential to influence people, I think that's what's important. And I think it's hard and especially now that brands have bigger budgets to play to work with bloggers. And if someone comes to you and says, You know, I'm gonna offer you loads of money to do this mm. hard to say no yeah. if you if it's not like totally fits with your brand, but I think the more that you do, and the more the more you only work with brands that really fit, the better it is. Yeah, one hundred
0: percent. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to end it. Uh, so, thank you very, very much for being part of the podcast. And where can everybody find you online?
1: So they can find me at the Travel Hack. And then my blogger course is very imaginatively named The Blogger Course.
0: <laughs> I love that it's called that. <laughs> Great SEO. Clever, <laughs> but then I thought, uh, no, SEO. <laughs> yeah, SEO. And I'll link to everything in the show notes. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to What She Said. And if you like this episode, or any of the other episodes, please think about giving me a lovely rating on iTunes. I really appreciate it. If you want to connect with me, head over to my blog, wanderloose.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, where I'm at wanderlooseblog.